just a hand clap if you would tonight. Amen. We're going to be in the book of James tonight, and then we're going to go over to First Peter. Let me say as you're turning there, it is a great honor and privilege, again, to be here. We don't take it lightly, and I appreciate the opportunity, your pastor. Our friendship means a lot. And uh, it was 2009, we got that, I thought I was going to say when we came to convention for the first time, so our 20 year old, uh, that would have been 2003, and then, but 2009, that was at Wetumpka, uh, we were pastoring at the time, and, and uh, uh, my wife, that was her idea, I'm telling you, I was embarrassed, you know, whoo, I was embarrassed, I'm telling you right now, and uh, my wife said, I'm going to get Brother Clendenin to dedicate this baby, I said, do what? We're in a fellowship, Father, but he's eating, you know. And uh, she said, oh, no, we're going to do it. I'm going to ask him if he'll do it. And she, somehow, I can't remember how we got word to him, asked him if he'd do it. He just jumped up and buttoned his coat and said, absolutely, bring me the child. We'll do it right here. And uh, so, and uh, so we, uh, that's some good, good history there. But no, we're, and, and by the way, whoever said, hey, I'm too young to be a grandpa, I'm going to lump you all into one and just one. You're my favorite church in all of Texas. <laughs> You, you've just become my favorite. None, none better than you. Praise God. No, I'm older than you think. I'm losing. You see the front. I've lost my hair in the back is what's happened. If I had it lost up here, it, I might look older. I guess. I don't know. Just cut off the gray over here or something. But anyways, we appreciate you. Amen. I believe God is going to talk to us tonight. Uh, book of James chapter number one. And uh, I felt stirred. As soon as the opportunity arose for us to be able to come and begin to pray, Lord laid this, this message on my heart, and I felt like I, it was a Sunday night type message, and, and or whatever, I just felt like it would be for Sunday night. But I really feel somebody here in this building will need to hear this. I, I just, I, I'm just that convinced of being in the will of God preaching this tonight. I want to preach this thought to you. These are familiar scriptures, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter number 5, and that's where I'll do most of my preaching. But I want to take my text from the book of James, chapter number 1. This is familiar to us, verse number 2, starting with it here. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, that the trying of your faith, Worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. In other words, what he's saying, there's a process that's going to involve the purifying of your faith. Amen. It's not just believing and getting something from God type of faith. But there's something connect. There's a process connected to your faith. And the trying of your faith is valuable to God. Amen. First Peter, glory to God. Chapter number 1, verse 6, the Bible said, Wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations and trials, sufferings. Amen. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be, un, might be found unto the praise and honor of and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I, I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight. I'm going to go from here to James chapter 5. But I want to preach to you tonight as we pray. Amen. This thought, the crucible of faith. Hallelujah to God. Father, we so love you in this place tonight. We're, we're thankful tonight for your wonderful presence. We're thankful tonight. Lord, for the presence of God that we feel and, and what we felt during the worship, the anointing, the musicians, the singers, of the congregation of God singing and our hearts unto you tonight. We thank you right now. Lord, tonight you've zeroed in on this place. Tonight you've brought us to a place of purpose and you've brought us tonight to a place where you can touch our hearts and talk to us. And I pray, Lord, whatever it is that you won't say in this house, God, that you would bring it to light and to pass in this place. Talk to us tonight. Lord, encourage our heart if it need be. Tear us down if it needs to be torn down. Build it up if it needs to be built up. 
Whatever you want to do in this house, God, I pray let nothing be off limits from your touch. Let no heart be off limits from, amen, your gaze and your piercing eyes. And that you'd try us and that you'd help us tonight to understand your great infinite purpose and calling us to this salvation, calling us into this kingdom, and your purpose and calling us into be your people. And we thank you. Give us understanding by the Holy Ghost in this house. We praise you and give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. A crucible, and I'm sure that you probably know this, but is a can be a small or a large vessel wherein great heat and temperance is put upon it, and the contents of it are generally melted down. It takes that special vessel to be able to withstand what the contents well, there's a process that the contents of that vessel need to go through. And that crucible is the container for a process. Amen. That's just the way it is. Your faith is simply a container for a process that, that God wants to take your faith through. When I first got saved, uh, I wasn't raised in church. I should have been somebody's bus kid, but no bus ever came to pick me up. Amen. I made my way into church at the age of 17. Uh, we, it was a Catholic family uh, that I was raised in. For the most part, we weren't even, my grandparents were staunch Catholic. My parents and I weren't bad Catholics. We weren't even good Catholics. You messed up if you ain't even a good Catholic. Glory to God, we weren't even good Catholics. Amen. But, but we, I knew nothing about God, knew nothing about Pentecost, knew nothing about this way. I had no Bible knowledge whatsoever that I can recall uh, in my mind, nothing. And, and I remember getting a Gideon Bible when I was in fifth grade. You know, they used to let the Gideons in. Now you can't do that because it's going to make somebody mad. But you used to get a little red Gideon Bible. Amen. I remember getting my little Gideon. That was a treasure to me. I, I read that, had no understanding. That was the only contact I ever had with the Bible till I got saved. Amen. Uh, it was that Gideon Bible. Thank God for that. Amen. And, and when I got saved, I got saved in a charismatic church, what we would call absolutely was a charismatic church. And I'm not going to detail with that, but the definition of what I was taught as a teenager was faith. What was, was Kenneth Copeland and, 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 and the TBN crowd. Y'all don't get mad at me tonight, but that's just the way it is. I, if I name names, it's too late now. But, but it, it's just that, what, that was the way. And it was about receiving. It was about uh, getting uh, you know, prayers answered and these type of things. And, and, and faith was uh, almost kind of a gimmick, if you will. I hate to say that like that, but... You understand what I'm saying? But that's not the faith that God's trying to rot in His people. That's not the kind of faith, amen, that moves mountains. That's not the kind of faith that's in Hebrews chapter 11, amen, that shuts the mouths of lions. Amen, that's not the kind of faith that'll cause you to stand when everybody else is bowing. That's not the kind of faith that'll keep you in that fiery furnace. Are you hearing me? That's not the kind of faith, amen, that when you got Pharaoh behind you and a red sea in front of you that'll make you lift up your staff by the word of God. Amen. And cause God to see and move for you. That's not the kind of faith that causes the sun to stand still. Amen. And these kind of things that we see God has moved down through the years through a people of faith. And I want to know what is that kind of faith? Amen. Is it just a receiving? It is a, it is a receiving. It is a believing. But it's more than that. God has historically through the Bible move through people that have allowed him to bring their faith through a process it's not just believing and receiving because I'm going to tell you something friend amen the moment you don't receive it when you put God on your little timetable the moment you do y'all listen to me preach tonight the moment amen you don't receive it or the moment there's not intervention the moment you're in that fiery furnace the moment you don't have the answers the moment then where is your faith in God give me a faith that I don't just get saved when I'm a teenager but give me a faith that helps me to go all the way to the grave and if Though thou slay me, yet will I trust him. Give me the kind of faith that stares in the face of death and persecution and rots on with God in victory. Hallelujah. 
You see, friend, to have that kind of faith, there's a process that it must be going. There's something that brings a hardness to that faith. There's something that brings, a, amen, such a goodness to that faith. To be able to stand in trial of the death of all of your children at the total oblivion of your business and your livestock. For a man of Job to stand and say, I know my Redeemer liveth and I am persuaded. Oh, my God, and there's nothing good around me, but I'm persuaded that he's able There's nothing good happening around me, but I'm persuaded that he's good. There's nothing good. My children are dead. My business is gone. Amen. I'm sick in my body, and I don't have an answer why, but he's still good, and he still loves me. My God, you have to understand that have that kind of faith, there's a process. I'm afraid tonight that our... In our understanding or what we call modern day theology when it comes to faith, we shortchange people. Maybe, maybe we make it something it's not. I'm not trying to pick on nobody. I just understand and come to an understanding when I see this, that there's trials that come with faith. I, I didn't realize this, but I know it now. That my sanctification, my set-apartness, my consecration to God... And my faith are absolutely tied together in the same process. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I'll never walk holy with him if I don't believe he's good in the bad times. I'll never walk dedicated to him if I don't believe when I don't have the answers that he's still got the answer. Amen. I I was at a camp meeting. I'm not going to name this brother's name because you'll know him. But uh, I was at a camp meeting. He preached. Oh, one of my favorites. I'm going to tell you. And, and, and he had preached a message just unbelievable. The anointing of God was so real. One of the most powerful altar, altar services I've been a part of. Just amazing. God moving dynamically in the house. The man of God. He preached. Amen. And, 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 and this man of God, I'm standing there in the altar service. God's moving. And, he said, and the Holy Ghost said to me, I don't know if I can relay this to you and you'll understand what I'm saying. But the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, he still, I remember this, like it's a, he said, he still preaches me and I didn't intervene for him. Oh yes, this man's ministry was split and destroyed. Amen. By other ministries, family members. This, man's, this man lost a very dear, precious loved one to him through cancer. And he, he prayed and asked God for healing for months. And this loved one passed away anyways. Amen. Hallelujah. This man, amen, had his, his, his properties and his buildings and the ministry that he built destroyed by a natural disaster. And there was no intervention. There was no intervention. Amen. But through it all, he still preaches Jesus the healer. Through it all, he still preaches Christ elevated. Amen. Through it all, he still preaches a gospel that says it's worth it all. Amen. Give me, amen. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen. He still preaches. Amen. Christ faithful. Amen to God. I knew right then, folks, I knew right then there's more to faith and believe in God. There's a process. More to than just me getting the goodies. It's more to than me just getting my healing. It's more to it than me just having a big ministry or having this or having that or having a good reputation. Amen. If I can lose it all but retain Him by faith. Amen. That's what I need because everything in this world, every spirit, every devil in hell, amen, everything's pushing on me. The culture, amen, the spiritual climate. Everything's trying to pull me away from Christ and the only thing I've got to help me to hang on to Him is faith in Him. And I come to tell somebody tonight I don't care what you've suffered through I don't care how you've been tempted and tried. Faith is still enough to help you to hold on to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. There's a process when He doesn't intervene. There's a process when you don't understand. Amen. In Mark chapter 5, we're introduced to a man. Hallelujah to God. And we see this process play out in his life. And I want to take you through that process. And at the outset of this process, now we know this man's story. It's Jairus in the fifth chapter of Mark. You know where I'm going. You've heard this preached a thousand times. Amen. But I, I feel like God wants me to preach along this line tonight. There's a process that faith 
is involved in. There's a process. There's a sanctifying process that my faith goes through that strengthens my faith and sanctifies me at the same time. Y'all don't look at me like I'm crazy. I'm telling you right now, folks, there's something deep. There's a deep work that God wants to do in our lives. And some of that, I just talked with a man. Oh, brother, pastor, I talked with a man, a dear friend of mine, just a few days ago before we came here to Beaumont. He's going through tragedy in his life. He's going through things he has no answer for. And he said this, and this is what it is. This is the crux of what I want to preach to you. You don't hear nothing else. He said, if I had to do it all over again, he said, he said I've come to a place now where I can whisper the name of Jesus and the presence and glory of God meets me right where I am. He said I got my prayer life back. I got the, I got the glory of God back in my life. Amen. I got the fullness back. He said I can pray and talk to him and there's a fullness and a joy like I hadn't had since I was a child. He said oh if, if I had to go back if I had to get rid of the suffering if I had to have the situation turned around where I could have have this particular relationship back he said I would rather have Jesus I would rather leave it like it is than for me not to have to suffer anymore I'd rather have Jesus like it is than for God to say I'll end the suffering now ladies and gentlemen that's the process that faith truly enters us into biblical faith enters us into a process that says I don't I don't need the suffering to end I need more of him you could you can name a hundred processes. You can name a, a hundred different situations. Jairus' situation was his daughter was dying. It could be the death of a loved one. It could be the missing of a relationship. It could be the, the losing out on a job, a financial transaction, whatever it is. It could take many different shapes and forms. But if I have faith in God, it's going to lead me to a suffering. It's going to lead me to a place as close. Amen. gets me closer to God. It's going to lead me to a place not just of receiving, but a place of conformity. Not just of me getting, but a place of me becoming. Oh my God, I wish somebody could hear me preach today. I don't know about you, but I need a faith that conforms me to the image of Christ. Because I'm living in a culture that's doing everything it can to conform me to the image of this beast. Come on, somebody. Jairus in the fifth chapter of Mark. We pick up his story and we begin to see the process. Immediately as we're introduced to this man... In the scripture, and I want to use the fifth chapter of Mark. Hallelujah. The Bible said in the 24th, 21st verse, rather, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship under the other side, much people gathered together unto him, and he was nigh under the seed. And behold, behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell down at his feet. All of a sudden, we have a man of great social status. He was a ruler of the synagogue. This man, amen, there's no telling what his net worth was. This man is a ruler among his people. He has a high status. He's a man of great prominence. He's a man of great power. He's a man of great prestige. People know him. People reverence him. People want to be around him. Come on, somebody. People, people want to be connected to this man. He has all of those accoutrements of things that come with that kind of relationship. Amen. In his life. And it just so happens that if you'll read on further in this fifth chapter, you and I both know, and you've heard it preached a hundred times, how that there is a woman in the same crowd with an issue of blood. She's unclean. She's unnamed. We don't know who she is. She can't get in the temple. She's not allowed to worship according to the law. And all of a sudden, the highest man in society is standing on the same shoreline as the lowest woman in the society. All of a sudden... Faith leads you to a place to let you know, neighbor, it's not your status. It's not how high you are in men's eyes. Oh, how 
hallelujah, but if you're going to get your needs met, you've got to stand on the same shoreline as everybody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're going to get your need met, it don't matter who you know, how high you are in status, amen, what your network is or your net worth is, amen to God, because you'll have to come to Christ on the same level playing field as the lowest in the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, faith starts this process working. And now through desperation, his daughter's dying. And desperation and need has brought this man to a place he would have never stood without this area of suffering. Many of these rulers of the synagogues, is this okay tonight? I'm going to do my best. I know the Cowboys are playing tonight, and I'm going to do my best to preach. Get out of here. But I'm going to tell you, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Y'all don't get mad at me. I'm going to be a long time preaching. I can't help it. I got, I got to get through this. Listen. Hallelujah. Here's a man that is now entered onto a shoreline in a situation that others of the rulers of the synagogue have tried to go to Jesus privately. Other of the rulers of the synagogue have tried to come to him and manipulate him. Others have come with questions. Others have come trying to trip him up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Others have come with different motivations. But now this man is a ruler of the synagogue. Now this man is a part of the same religion. Now this man is high up here. Amen. But he's got a need. And he don't have time to fool around. Amen. With questions. He don't have time to fool around with what people think about Jesus. He don't have time to fool around with amen the woman at the well and hey oh he don't have time to fool around does he eat with sinners all Jairus knows is that this Jesus lays hands on the sick and they recover all he knows now I don't care what it costs me I don't care who I've got to stand next to I don't care what people think about me I've got to get to Jesus and friend I would submit unto you tonight a lot of our need Amen. We've got to let it bring us to a place of desperation before God. I know people say that's extreme. I understand that. There's something that has to be broken in us, church, for us to want to come to him this way. Because if it wasn't that way, he'd have come to him as a ruler of the synagogue. Notice the posture he assumes. As soon as Jesus steps onto the shoreline, he falls at his feet. Oh, what process it must bring a man through for a man of such high stature. Amen. As soon as Christ enters into the scene, he's prostrate before him. All of a sudden, he exhibits a brokenness. All of a sudden, he comes to Jesus with the right position. I'm going to tell you something, folks. The crucible of faith will get you lined up in the right position. Oh man, I'm going to tell you something. You'll never receive from God if you're high. You'll never. He resists the proud. I wish I could. I wish I was a preacher. I wish I could preach. I'm telling you. He resists the proud, but it gives grace unto the humble. Amen. Somehow, I don't, I don't think, uh, amen, Jairus knew that. That wasn't written, amen, yet in the New Testament. But the principle was there. All of a sudden, Jairus comes with a faith that humbles him. With a faith that's broken. And all he knows is Jesus is the answer. He's standing next to a woman maybe in the same crowd amen there's all kinds of needs on that shoreline that day a whole crowd and we know about two the woman and Jairus for his daughter see faith has got to enter into this process if you really look at New Testament and the Gospels, you'll understand that most of the people that receive some kind of move of God in their life by way of miracle or by way of God intervening in their life, they went through some kind, their faith was taken through some kind of situation like this. It wasn't just, well, God didn't do it. I'm just going to go on about in my religious way and just keep on doing what I've always done. No, no, no. They allowed their life to be altered by the process. Are you willing to allow your life to be altered by the process? Because faith is tied to sanctification. Sanctification is a setting apart. Oh, come on somebody. Amen. You look at Jairus, all of a sudden he's on the shoreline of equality, if you will. Amen. All of a sudden now he's on the, in the place. He fell down before. He's in the place. Amen. Of humility. Amen. And the Bible said in verse 23, And besought him greatly. Saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Now his faith, the process, has led him to a great confession and a great seeking.
Now, friend, you'll never greatly, you'll never, you'll never, your faith will never enter into the process of seeing God move in that life. I hope y'all are quiet because y'all are paying attention, not because you're about to go to sleep. Your faith will never enter that process, hallelujah, until you come to the place, amen, where there's, the Bible said he besought him greatly. That meaning it wasn't casual seeking. Church, if we're going to see God move in impossible situations, whether it's the nation's need and the church's need for revival, whether it's the need of somebody to get healed of cancer, whether it's the need for God to move in any number of situations, you name it. Amen. If we're going to see the supernatural demonstration of God's power, we must do what Jairus did with his faith. We must be sought God greatly. There can't be a casual seeking. There can't be, well, I'll try to pray if I can. There can't be, well, if I've got time no 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 friend the bible said he besought christ greatly my god upon every miracle upon every move of god there's a tagline that reads besought greatly oh my god in every place in every place every song that's ever been sung of god's greatness connected to a great miracle the stanza reads oh they sought god greatly folks i'm telling you amen my faith must be connected to a prayer line seeking God greatly the Bible said that his faith was brought to a place of process where the process of faith the crucible of faith began to render him down to the lowest common denominator and he besought God everything was removed all of his status he didn't go to Jesus and listen you know I happen to be the leader of the rotary club here in town and and also the lion by the way me and the lions club you know he didn't he didn't say he didn't come with network he didn't come uh, Jesus if you're come preaching my synagogue I believe we can hook you up with a good he didn't come none of that he come he came with to Jesus broken and he besought him greatly when was the last time a prayer life was broken when was the last time I besought him greatly when was the last time I looked at the condition of my nation my town my county my family the people around me Walmart wherever and I said my God it breaks me I've got to seek God greatly I want you to know now, his faith is connected. The process of his faith has connected him not to a need of his own necessarily, but the need of his daughter. You see, there's a love that he had for his daughter that motivated him to push every, all the agenda, all the other motivation aside. Are y'all listening to me preach? He put everything else aside, you see, I wonder how much of our seek, I wonder how much of our seeking is not great seeking because our motivation is not great motivation. You see, great seeking must, amen. Only be spurred on by great motivation. What's the greatest motivation? That I love my neighbor as myself. This man loved his daughter. He wasn't trying to use Jesus as a stepping stone. He wasn't trying. There was no other motive. He knew Christ was the answer. And amen. He loved that little girl. And the love. It was love that drove him to Jesus. Come on. I don't know about you. But I want to fall in love with Christ. And I want to love my family. My children. My wife. My neighbor. To a place. Amen. That I come. That my seeking becomes greatly and my motivation becomes not greatness my motivation becomes not something where people will know who I am my motivation will become not a big this and not a big that but my motivation will become oh Jesus would you touch this one would you touch a motivation of love for Christ to intervene on somebody else's behalf motivation is a big deal And faith will bring it to a place of purity. Nothing more purifying in this Bible than love, folks. Do I got a little bit of time to preach? Oh, man, I got all kind of time. Would you look at that? Woo. Glory. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm almost done. I'm trying, folks. Amen. Now, the Bible said his daughter is a great love, great seeking Great motivation, a great confession. All these are wonderful things. The Bible said, 
In verse 24, and Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Stop right there. Two things I want to point out here. Verse 23 ends with a great seeking, great motivation, great confession. Verse 23 ends and verse 24 picks up and Jesus went with him. Let me preach just for a moment about what you don't read in between verse 23 or 24 or there written therein. I want you to notice there are, and there may have been, so y'all don't, y'all don't get upset with me, but there's no red letters recorded in verse 23 or 24. Jesus did not answer him. There was no answer. Jairus went, I don't know how this looked, I, I don't know if it was one of those awkward moments where, you know, it's kind of like, Silent and you know. I don't know if Jairus asked him and Jesus stood there. I don't know how this played out, but we don't have any recorded answer of Jesus. There is no Jairus, I'll come with you. Jairus, I will do this. Jairus, I will. There's no recorded. The Bible just says he went with him. Oh my God. I'm telling you, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the answer, so wrapped up in seeking God, so wrapped up in all these other things that when heaven's silent, we feel like because there's no answer and heaven's silent, that means God's is disinterested. I'm not good enough. He's not coming. He won't do it. I'm not a good enough disciple. He's not answering. No, 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 friend. He didn't answer Jairus. But the Bible said he went with him. When heaven was silent, he's on his way. Woo! Come on here. There was no answer, but heaven's on his way. Amen. There was no answer, but Jesus is making his way to Jairus' house. My God, somebody, your faith is going to have to come to a place that when you don't hear and you don't know and you don't have the answer and you don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know what God said, it's dark, it's silent. You've got to have a faith that said he's coming anyway. He's coming anyway. Way. He's on his way. He's on his way. Hallelujah. Woo. And the Bible said in verse 25, and there came a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. I'm not preaching on her because we've all heard sermons on her all our lives. But I will bring you to a place of Jairus' faith. This woman affected Jairus' faith because this woman brought delay in the process. Your faith and my faith, I'm preaching to somebody in this place. I've never felt more confident than I'm preaching for God. Your faith is going to have to learn how to make it through delay. Jesus stopped on his way to Jairus' house. The process, she is done. Jesus, will you come? We don't see Jairus get antsy, but I'm just no. Amen. Jairus sees this woman alone. I wonder if God allowed this to happen. Amen. To work something in Jairus. I don't know, folks, but there's more to this than just Jairus getting an answer. There's more to this than just Jairus getting a miracle. His daughter, there's something happening in Jairus right here. Delays happened. Delays happened. We know the story right in the middle of Jairus' need. Right in the middle of his daughter dying. Right in the middle of what I'm preaching right here. The woman comes with the issue of blood. The whole thing stops for several verses. We don't know how much time was there. I'll not belabor the point. But I will say this. There was delay. He doesn't have an answer. Jesus is on his way. But there's delay. I want to point this out to you just in case some of y'all turn me off before I get to the end of my sermon. I don't, because it can happen, you know. I want you to notice as we read through Jairus, the very first thing that Jairus asked of Christ to do was the very last thing Jesus did. Oh, yes. Jairus asked him, Come heal my daughter. You don't see the healing of the daughter until the end of the chapter. He didn't run and say, come on, brother, let's go. And they take off. Y'all see, y'all see Pappy move? He didn't take off and say, come on, Jairus, let's go. Get on your Segway, let's move. Batteries down, let's get in our Tesla, let's go. 
It's cold. Battery's down in it too. Dear God, find a diesel truck. They're going. You don't find any of that. Jesus is not in a hurry, but Jairus is. Jesus is not on Jairus' timetable, but it doesn't stop Jesus from coming. The very last thing Jesus does in this whole chapter was the first thing Jairus asked him to do in the 21st verse. Because there's a process. The process of faith in God. The process is just important to God as the product or the answer. Oh, church, if we could hear that today. We feel like the, the product, the girl getting her healing is the all-knowing. And we don't see. And we, we move over all the process. And our faith is weak. It can't take delay. Our faith cannot take. Amen. When we don't get answers. Our faith cannot take when it's in right position. It's humble. It's got good confession. It's got all this. And it doesn't seem like it's working out. Skip down. To verse number 35, because we're going to cut out the woman with the issue of blood right here. Delay, I don't know how long, but verse 35 is where we pick back up with Jairus. He's done talking with the woman with the issue of blood. She's healed. We know of that whole story. Verse 35, and while he yet spake, while Jesus was talking to the woman with the issue of blood, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house a certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? Your faith is going to have to make it through that. All of a sudden, while Jesus is doing something for the woman with the issue of blood, he's talking to her. Another servant comes from his house and says, Listen, everything has moved beyond his ability. Don't trouble him anymore. He can't do anything about it now. She's dead. He's got right position, right seeking, pure motive. He's got great seeking. He's made it through delay. He's made it through no answer. Jesus is on his way. And the situation is getting worse. She's dead. I'm preaching, but y'all ain't saying nothing. The situ- Have you ever been in a situation you've been praying about and it's getting worse and it gets worse? Dear God, somebody, I'm not telling you every situation turns out like this. But she here's the fact. She died. And a man come from his house and said, listen, don't trouble him anymore. In other words... This has moved beyond his ability. Your faith is going to have to move through that voice. Your faith is going to have to move through the voice that comes into your hospital room and said, well, listen, it's cancer, and there's really nothing else we can do. Don't tell me fear wasn't involved right here. Don't tell me fear wasn't involved. He's done all this, and now she's dead. It's got work. He did everything he was supposed to do. And it looks like, don't tell me devil didn't jump on his shoulder and say, listen, he failed you. Hey, listen, church, have you been there? He failed you. His faith has got to make it through. All of a sudden, for the first time, for the first time, verse 36 describes and records the first words of Jesus to Jairus. And as soon as Jesus heard the word which was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. He stopped and he grabbed Jairus and said, Jairus, wait, Jairus, be not afraid, only believe. Jairus, this situation is not stopping me from coming. I'm coming anyway. Jairus, I'm not turning around. Don't you let this turn you around. Somebody here tonight has got a situation that's trying to turn you around. But don't you let it turn you around because he won't turn around if you won't turn around. He said, Jairus, when Jesus heard, finally Jesus talks to Jairus. He said, said, be not afraid, only believe. He didn't say much. He just said, listen, cast all that stuff aside. Now there's a a point in time. You can keep reading through here. I I don't want to spend a lot of time because I don't want to abuse your time. But he finally makes it to the place of of Jairus' house. And he takes three inner, inner core disciples, Peter, James, and John. He takes three men. That are going to do the bulk of the preaching in the first part of the book of Acts. He's going to take three. James, I believe this is the same James that gave his life in the 12th chapter. Uh, I, I believe this is, he's the martyr. I believe Peter 
uh, I, I believe he was the first preacher really to the Gentiles, although Paul picked it up later. But Peter, believe it or not, before Paul started preaching us pork chop eating Gentiles, amen to God, amen, Peter was preaching, amen, in the 10th chapter, glory to God, to Cornelius. And I don't know if he had bacon cooking on bacon cooking on the stove or not, but he preached us, thank God, he takes three intercourse, and Jesus takes Jairus' moment, he takes Jairus' darkness, he takes his time of death, he takes this, he didn't turn around, and he uses it as a moment that's going to shape the whole New Testament church in the future, it's a discipleship moment. God might be allowing you to go through something that's going to benefit somebody else. He takes three men into Jairus' house that soon they're going to die for Jesus. They've got to have rock hard faith. They've got to have a faith that said, I don't understand, but I'm going on anyway. Oh, this ain't laying me down to sleep stuff right here. He's preparing these men for the book of Acts. He's preparing Peter for his upside down cross. He's preparing James for Acts chapter 12. He's preparing John for Patmos. Mark it down, folks. Don't tell me that the devil didn't meet John on Patmos and say, he's forsaken you. You did all this for him. He don't care nothing about you. Amen. But he can look back at Jairus' life and said when there was no answer, amen, he kept coming. Amen. When it got worse, he kept coming. My God. Oh, my God. Amen. When it looked like there was no hope, he kept coming. Glory to God. Woo. He takes these three disciples and he begins to use Jairus' moment as a teachable moment for discipleship. And he takes them into Jairus' house. Now he goes into Jairus' house. You know the story. There's a whole bunch of folk there that are probably hired mourners. Now you got to understand how, not just pages on your Bible, but look at this. I'm almost done, folks. I promise. I'm trying to move fast as I can. Think about this, church. He goes into his house. He's got Jesus, the daughter's dead. Mama's home. I'll guarantee you the wife's home. She's there, been there the whole time. He comes in with Jesus, the man he was sent there, and she's like, didn't you get the the servant? I sent the servant to stop you. There was no need for that. We're already mourning. Wasn't no need for this. Stop this. You brought him here anyway? I sent the servant. She sent the servant, I promise you, to stop Jesus from coming. He brought him anyways. Can you imagine? That was maybe there was a, you know, kind of a husband, wife, a little mom and dad, a little babe, listen. Excuse me, Peter. Listen, he wouldn't turn around. He said he's coming anyways. He grabbed me by the face and said, Fear not. Well, I he, the only thing he said to me is fear not, only believe. I brought him to the house. I told you. I sent the servant to stop you. It stopped me, but it didn't stop him. Mama, listen. That stuff didn't move him. It didn't stop him. It didn't turn him around. Why are you so long getting here, by the way? There was a woman with the issue of blood, and I'm telling you, maybe I'm sorry. Jairus, you're late for everything. They got the mourners in the house. What are we going to do about the? We got family members here now, Jairus. What is he going to do now? He's got family members in the house and mourners. The house is full of people that are there for death, but Jesus has come for life. The whole situation. See, we feel like the situation's got to get perfect before he'll move. The church has got to get perfect. The church, uh, the, the congregation, we got to sing the right songs and preach. We got to do all, we got to get all this environment right. That we, there's some certain environments he's not going to move. I understand sanctification and having good praise and worship. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about we get that mentality that there's certain situations he can move in the, let me tell you something, folks. He can move in the hospital. He can move where there's cancer. He can move where there's death. He can, my God, he can move where there's disease. He can move. He can move. He can send revival. He can move. He can move. Hallelujah. Jairus invited Jesus into the house. And Jesus, instead of going, listen to me, instead of going to where the girl was, first, he didn't say, listen, he's not going. Jesus did not come into Jairus' house picking up handkerchiefs and and Kleenexes and say, oh, can we clean some stuff? I'm so sorry y'all are going through this. He's not patting folks on the back. He didn't try to make where she was. Jesus stops and Jesus takes control of Jairus' house. 
He stops and says, folks, can I have your attention? All y'all get out. He ta- Jesus comes into Jairus' house and Jesus takes control. You know why we don't see God moving in a lot of situations? Because we don't want to give him control of the house. Jesus comes in and he doesn't lay hands on her. He doesn't say, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. Where's the AFib? Bring it here. Get the bag. He doesn't come in. He's not 911. He doesn't come in like a first responder, a Navy SEAL, or nobody else. Jesus comes in and says, excuse me, can I have your attention? All of y'all that don't have faith, believe, he said, all y'all get out. He purges the house. Woo, my God. Your faith is going to have to come to a place where when Jesus comes in, your faith, Jairus, now has a faith where he's yielding to Jesus. Where he's yielding to Jesus. Where he's subdued in the presence of Christ. Whatever you want, Lord, do it. Amen. And Jesus takes control of Jairus' house and takes control of Jairus' situation. I'm not telling you he was forceful and pushed himself on it. I don't mean that ungentlemanlike. I don't mean it like that. But the fact remains, Jesus put people out of that house. Can you imagine? This is the very thing. We wonder why we don't see God move. And this is the very thing. When Jesus comes, he wants to move. And he wants to get stuff out. Before the miracle, there was a purging. Well, I'm preaching better than some of y'all are shouting. I can tell you that. Come on here. Amen. I'm pre- I, f- I felt stirred to preach this, folks. I can't help it. I know when I go to the hotel tonight, I've done the will of God. Amen. I'm preaching this tonight to you because you invite, don't get mad at him when he tries to bring purity. You invited him in the house. You said yes to salvation. I wanted his forgiveness. I wanted his mercy. And when he come into my house and he touched my, ro- before he touched my rotten, sin sick soul, amen. He brought purging and he brought cleansing and he brought mercy with him. My God, I'm telling you. He purges the house, then he goes to her. The very last thing he did was raise her from the dead. After all of the process, after all, look now how we can benefit from Jairus' situation. Look now how we can benefit from the process. Somebody come to the music. How we can benefit from the process of faith as they're making themselves ready. Listen to me, church. I wonder tonight how many things that God would do that kind of Maybe the process, it's not that God stops, it's not that He's not able. Is it possible that we stop the process before the process is done? Obviously, death didn't turn Him around. He's still coming. Obviously, awkward moments where there's no answer didn't deter Jesus. Obviously, when it was impossible, Jesus didn't turn around. We don't see anything in here that, turned, that was daunting to Christ. It didn't turn Him around. The only thing that could have stopped the process was Jairus saying, Jesus, this is enough. She's dead. Get out. Church, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Your situation is not impossible. My situation is not impossible. I just need to allow the process, the crucible of faith. A crucible is a place, of, it's a vessel where there's, things are melted down. And brought into another state. It's when metal is goes from hard to soft to liquid. It's a place. Of, there's a reason why the Marine Corps calls their last three days of boot camp the crucible. It's because before they put the Eagle Globe and anchor on those men, they're going to go through something that causes them to understand what it means to be a part of this. Church, I'm afraid we've got to understand the day. What God is saying, listen, faith is more than just faith. There's a process to it. Don't short circuit it. Amen. Don't short. It is a crucible. There's times. But Peter said it comes forth. Your faith will come forth precious as gold. Oh, God. I don't know. Maybe tonight there's a sickness. Maybe tonight there's a need in a loved one. Maybe tonight. I don't know the situation. I just know I'm preaching tonight to somebody here. Maybe a group of people, maybe several people tonight. As you stand to your feet all over this house tonight. Faith is a process. There's a sanctifying work that comes with it. Not just a receiving, not just a shout, not just a miracle. But with the miracle, there becomes a solidifying of the faith of God. 
How much of what Jairus went through prepared those three men that come into the house with Christ? Every time we hear of moments of triumph of people's faith, when their faith didn't quit, they didn't let up, they kept going. Doesn't it inspire you to know that God will do that? Every time we hear a story from whether it's someone, one of the heroes of our faith or whatever, recently or in the past, doesn't it spur us on? Why is that? Because it's valuable. And the process needs to work in you and I. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, I'm going through a process and I don't have an answer. I haven't heard God. Maybe I'm not good enough. Friend, that's a lie from the devil. I haven't heard from God about this particular thing. Maybe you haven't. But that's not stopping him from moving. What will stop him from moving is if you turn around. Somebody here tonight, you're about this close from turning around. And I'm telling you tonight, don't do it. Because he's on his way. He's on his way. Can we lift our hands and worship him for a moment tonight? I want you to just begin to transition your heart and your life tonight into these altars here. I feel like tonight that there's a process, Lord, working in our lives. Sometimes we can't see all of it, but we're, we've got to know that it's not turning you around. Hallelujah to God. It's working on my, the have you working, a process working on my sanctification. At the same time, I'm trying to believe for something. The uncomfortableness, all of this happened, but you're doing something. Not just answering a prayer, but you're conforming me to the image of Christ. There's something deep that you're doing in this work of your people tonight. We're asking you, Lord, that you'd move and minister in this house. As we seek your face tonight. I don't know where you're at tonight, church. I don't know who's here. Even if there's an unbeliever among us tonight that hadn't repented of sin. But I would say to us tonight, these altars are open in this place. And I'm telling you, he's about to come down in here like rain. If you need something from God, if you need strengthening, if you need repentance, if you need faith, whatever it is, I'm telling you, He can meet the need. If you'll get on your face, if you'll besought Him greatly, if you'll fall down, and if the confession, all these things, if you'll keep holding on, if you'll make it through the delay, if you'll make it through when it gets worse, if you'll make it through and keep going. Let him purge your house. Let him take things. Let him subtract from you. I promise you in the end, I promise you in the end, you'll find a revelation of God. I promise you in the end, you'll find a revelation of God. As they're singing and the presence of God is moving in this house, I want you to find a place to pray. All over this place, you can stand, you can kneel. I don't care what you do tonight. 